welcome to Black Chicks Bible Study, where we are reclaiming the Bible one book at a time. We're on episode, what, 53, Second Thessalonians, also written by maybe Paul, maybe not Paul. Very divided on that topic. Oh, it was signed at the end that this is written by me, Paul, so I'm pretty sure uh-huh. written by Paul. <laughs> yeah, the very insistent signature at the end is either um, overkill of him. <laughs> yeah. But apparently at that time, I was just reading a little bit about it. Like at that time, he already had impersonators and forgers because his letters must have been so like popular. Even at that time, he had people who were imitating him. So it could have been him doing an extra, extra signature because he was in danger of being forged and he didn't want his words taken, Mm -hmm. whatever. So yeah, that'll kind of come up. How did you feel about this book overall? It was cool. Like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I didn't get super a lot. I guess maybe the last part was my favorite, the last chapter. There's only three chapters. Other than that, it was, you know, it was chill. I felt it was kind of similar to First Thessalonians and Mm -hmm. just him being really happy about what good Christians they are. (laughs) What about you? I thought it was more of the same for, I would say, chapter one. It started off super normal. And then as it went on, it got a little more out there. That's how I felt reading it was just. They went from like perfect to kind of, we do have a few things to work on. (laughs) Yeah, that might be it. At first, he's kind of praising them. And then he like gets into the nitty gritty or whatever. But apparently this was written in response to concerns they had before like apparently they were worried about the end times when he wrote that first letter and like you know so even though they're such a model great church he's still advising them on how to be better um anyway do you remember your word of faith from the past couple weeks what was it god i remembered blanking now Oh, um, it was don't people please and do oh, things. Yeah. If you're a reflection of God, then if you do things for you, then that will be key. Thank you. Yes, that is exactly right. Yeah, because I think it was like Paul was talking about how he was doing things for God and not for praise from the people and that kind of thing. So yeah, we're still in the pandemic. So I feel like I have a lot less um, intermingling with people or, or, or situations where I would be you know, in front of someone and feel like I need to disagree or whatever and not cause problems. So maybe one one concrete way that I did kind of think about that over the last weeks is because um, I mentioned to you, I think that I was planning to move down the hallway, just in my same building, but it's just a different layout of an apartment. And this one would have an outdoor space, which is like the pinnacle of everything I've ever wanted living in LA. Um, but then you know, I got feedback from different people. Some people were like, don't do it at all. It's, you know, your place is so much better than that. At first I was like, oh, like, should I listen to them? Maybe they're right. But it was also like, no, like you have a different style than me. You don't live here. Like, you know, if I want to move to that apartment, I'm going to move to it. But then ultimately I was kind of getting pressure on both ends. I think people saying I definitely should move. And then other people saying, no, you should just stay where you are. And then ultimately I just kind of sat down with myself and was like, what do I want? you know, and what makes sense for me right now. And then I just decided that I'm not going to move. Like I had put in the transfer request and everything. I had already like called to see about getting my, you know, internet moved and stuff. At first I was so sure about it, but then it was like, I went back to the apartment and walking in, it just felt 
it didn't feel right. It felt like, you know, like I was forcing it kind of like, okay, yeah, you know, it has this great outdoor area, but like the rest of it's really, I wasn't willing to give up what I had now, I guess, just for that particular space. Like it didn't make sense to me and especially all the money that I've already just spent here, you know, as far as like getting people to mount my desk and mount my, you know, TV and stuff like that. And then thinking about all the costs to like have someone come unmounted and, re- you know, all of that. And, and at the end of the day, I was like, you know what? I just had a feeling that the apartment that I originally wanted when I moved, you know, was considering moving to this building is going to open anyway at the end of my lease. I'm just going to like hold out and see what's available. That was like the most intense thing of the like, this like, am I moving? Am I not moving? And then, uh. but it's also a lot of signs, I think, to pointing towards no, because then couple friends are going to come out of town like you know it just would have been a lot to try to move right now anywhere so yeah I just did what you know I wanted to do and uh yeah nice you went with your gut Mm -hmm. and really looked inward Mm -hmm. yeah I just when I heard you say that I was just like okay like I couldn't even let myself process that that was gonna happen I was like oh my gosh okay I didn't I didn't think much about it at the time and I would because I wouldn't have been bold enough to tell you whether or not to do it I just think (laughs) that you're gonna do whatever you want to do and whoever helps you is gonna help you you know what I mean like I just okay she's gonna do whatever it is like that she decides so it's not like I'm shocked that so many people even weighed in with their (laughs) (laughs) advice (laughs) Right. I know. Yeah. But that's true. It was just like, in, in my head, I was just like, I wanted this outdoor space and it didn't matter. Like, and then I was just like, in the end, I could see myself wanting to move again from that apartment. So I was like, why waste money moving there? Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. That's a great example. That's like a really big example. What was your word of faith? It was um, to be more, try, try and be more personable in my interactions and um, trying to remember what verse it came from, but yeah, you said try a little tenderness and that's what it boiled down to. Maybe it came from something about loving. I don't know. Every book has something about loving people in it, Um, (laughs) but pouring, putting love into people or something. I don't know. Oh, I Um, think it was because um, they were talking about like looking out for each other. And if someone's kind of like lacking in one area or something like calling them out like yeah that was part of it for sure that was the part that I was saying I would have a hard time with and yeah and along with that is like oh it was about encouragement yeah Mm -hmm. like encourage people my whole thing is I don't talk to people most of the time so when I do I try to make it encouraging or productive in some way but I do have these like normal kind of Zoom sessions, um, a couple of them on like weekends. And I think these past ones I was thinking, I was more conscious of like, maybe not the word encouragement, but contribute more to, (laughs) um, or give like more feedback in terms of um, whatever we're working on. So I felt like with my writing buddy, um, I was able to, I guess, think about her project like it was mine and try to like run scenarios in my head of what I would do. And and I think it helped encourage, I hope, being able to give thoughtful feedback because I get so much of it in those sessions that it's really the thing keeping me going. And to give that back is really important. So that felt good. And then also on top of it, last weekend was like Valentine's. And um, it was my first time in a long time sitting inside of a restaurant. It was incredible. But just having that day 
to celebrate love and actually try to look nice. Like I was thinking of like, how can I encourage this very nice thing of the way I was like taken out on that date and the way it was made special. I tried to. be a lady and this is so awkward to talk about but I was thinking about it at the time like be loving dress up like feel nice it was just a day to do more of that so and in general in emails I've been trying to use more exclamation points and like casual you know oh nice (laughs) use those emojis girl I experimented I probably did one in the past week or so nice We can go into Thessalonians, the second letter from Paul to the church, Thessalonica. Um, Chapter one. Chapter one. How does it start out? Very familiar, huh? Sure does. This is Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Thanking everyone for having faith and love grow abundantly among them. What I do like, kind of in the beginning, he talks about like God coming back and paying uh, retribution to all those people who are not believers. In verse six, he says, God is just. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. This will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. As much as I sometimes have lots of terrible scenarios running in my head, like revenge scenarios and things like that, I still always just like the idea of thinking that like people get their, you know, karma or they get theirs without me having to necessarily actively do anything for that to happen. So yeah, that whole part there just kind of reminded me of that and made me feel happy or joyful. Mm. And the fact that bad people will get bad things coming to them. It's like the army of righteousness already being out there doing the bidding and then you get to like not be at the forefront or not be (laughs) leading the army in its charge you know all the karma is like you don't have to direct it but it's just there like fighting on your behalf basically pretty much yeah I mean that's a pretty awesome image too the whole thing of like let go and it's like nature trusting nature I was gonna say I also like the relief part too the idea that whatever's troubling you know the good people they won't always be like that yeah to give relief to the afflicted so I liked that and then eight um nine and ten too because I felt like it was a really clear more of a clear description of like damnation than what we have typically gotten I guess um so it says Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and then it says in flaming fire inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus um these will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction separated from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might when he comes to be glorified by his saints and to be marveled at on that day among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. Yeah, something felt jarring about reading that in flaming fire. It isn't all doves and rainbows up in heaven. It's like the image of the angels descending in fire, like a flame, you know? Maybe it started here, that sense that I had reading it of like, whoa, this is kind of like hardcore compared to how some other letters have been written. Did you say that like you said something about inflicting vengeance? Mm-hmm. In um, verse eight, inflaming fire, inflicting vengeance. That's like what the angels are doing. Mine just says he will punish those who do not know God. I like yours much better. <laughs> I was like, what? Inflicting vengeance. But the punishment of eternal destruction separated from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his might. I was like, okay, this is a really um, apocalyptic kind of revelations 
bit of imagery. I guess it does make them feel better at the time of like, okay, we don't have to be warring with each other. Like vengeance is the Lord's. It'll come later in the end times or the apocalypse or whatever. And all we have to do is just love each other and do our work. Like that's pretty great. Chapter two. Yes. So he's kind of warning them in the beginning. I guess in that last letter, like you said, he's kind of talking about the end times and apocalypse. But then in like the beginning of this, he's like warning them. He says in verse two, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us, whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. He's letting them know, like, I guess people have been going around and spreading, you know, false varying teachings from, you know, what Paul and and all of them are teaching. And he's just like letting them know, like, don't worry about what these other people are saying. Like that day has not already come. Like it's ahead of us. It's crazy that after I read this, I was reading about there being forgers in his day and it didn't even hit me until rereading it right now that he's basically saying that like there are people out there who Mm -hmm. pretend to be me or teach my teachings and they're not correct so and he even says by word or by letter so exactly he knows about the fake pauls out there i'm so frustrated that i can't know i don't know why it matters it doesn't really matter to me but on the other hand i'm like man i wish i could know if the same person wrote Mm. each of these many letters (laughs) because it would be cool it would be cool to know if some of the copies got in or not that would be Um, interesting like haha (laughs) But here's the thing. Some people really think that the same person didn't write these, even these two Thessalonian letters, because verse three says, let no one deceive you in any way for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the lawless one is revealed, the one destined for destruction. I guess we would read that as like an antichrist. Mm -hmm. In the last letter, he's talking about the end coming like a thief in the night. And some parts of the Bible talk about it being like signs and wonders and all these like premonitions. And some of it is like, no, it's really, you can't ever predict and it'll come in and out. So having these letters back to back, I could see it being a complex enough thing that both could be true in some way, you know, but at the same time, it's written so differently or conveyed so differently. It's like, okay, does the same philosophic mind like... I don't know. You know what I mean? So that's like one of the passages that they like debate. Is this a forgery? Is it real? Like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. I could see why people would maybe think this isn't coming from the same person. But that's cool to think about a rebellion coming first, like the Antichrist. And I remember reading all those end times left behind books as a kid, like series of books. It was a lot. <laughs> Just reading about the Antichrist and watching movies about him. What movies? So, you know, um, there would be Christian production companies that would put out like very cheesy, horrible end times movies, and they would either be on TBN or CBN or they would be sold on video. Who's the kid from Growing Pains? Kirk. Oh, Kirk. Cameron. Cameron, yeah. I was like, Kirk (laughs) Kirk Cameron, yes. (laughs) So I know he would star in a bunch of these horrible Christian movies, and I'm pretty sure he was in some of the Left Behind, but they made Left Behind movies based on the books. And there was somebody even way more mainstream. Oh, Nicolas Cage was in one of them. Oh, wow. (laughs) It's Anyway, I bet now, anytime I see something um, true crime, that must be the same thing I was getting out of all the Antichrist media at the time. (laughs) It was like my 10-year-old version of it. I had verse 8 
where he's talking about, he says, the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth and destroy by the splendor of his coming. The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders and serve the lie. Again, getting these images of what these last, you know, days are going to look like. I don't know. It's interesting because the way it's explained here, it doesn't necessarily say that like Satan is there. It's just some other figure or this person that is the way of Satan, but not necessarily like Satan himself is going to come and do all this, you know, try to fool people with like signs and wonders and things like that. From reading this, I just always feel like we're so close to the end too. And like the actual amount of times that Satan has been mentioned is so little, I feel like, like actual the word Satan, just even like reading this just sparked that thing in my head again, like of me thinking that like Satan, like there were so many stories in the Bible about Satan doing this and that, but like really, we haven't really gotten to... (laughs) any of yeah yeah i'm just like yeah like even here they're not saying it's saying they're just saying it's the way you know Mm -hmm. to be this antichrist or whatever and Um, we still have a right to be like well what is the way of satan because you haven't really established that like enough because we've been reading about uh about sin disobedience all these negative qualities and negative phenomena but when it comes to satan he's not been personified as much as i thought either mm-hmm. as a character i wonder if he's gonna ramp up more right. up until revelation and then in revelation is he gonna be the clear enemy or is it more like about the horsemen and the visions like right is it gonna be such a formidable foe as we picture him in everyday life you know Yes, I don't know. Yeah, that's so much of the focus of Christianity a lot of times. And so far, I feel like it hasn't been that big of a part mm-hmm. <laughs> of everything. Yeah. I don't know. Which maybe speaks well of him because he made such an impression with such little page time. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was in that text that's for true. like three pages and I still am an icon. Right. <laughs> and he has like a church based on him. But yeah, I always thought. I mean, not knowing these books super well and not being able to recall right away like what I know from them, definitely from this, 11 and 12 would be the most recognizable to me um, in chapter two. For this reason, God sends them a powerful delusion, leading them to believe what is false, and that all who have not believed the truth but took pleasure in unrighteousness will be condemned. But he's talking about the people he was talking about in what you just read, those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. He's talking about people who already refused to love the truth and have kind of chosen to be perishing. God has sent them a powerful delusion. You can be stuck under a powerful delusion and still get out of it. But I just remember knowing these verses growing up and being like, why would God send a delusion to anyone? You know, like, why? That's such a demonic thing to do. And but like, really, it was unfair. (laughs) If you already like in life, if you have chosen whatever unrighteousness is in your soul and you know it's the wrong path and you've chosen that because it's like easier or something or more pleasurable like yeah you're gonna come under a delusion because the stuff that drew you there is going to keep feeding you and you're gonna keep getting what you need from it and you're gonna be delusional and then you're gonna die in misery like that's what happens in the world so that is life sending you what you asked for it's like you wanted more and more of that 
harmful thing that is ultimately killing you. So I get it. But like from the perspective of God sending you that, it never made sense to me because it's like, no, we're supposed to always be salvageable. Like, you know, love attraction. Yeah. But even in that life of being so done in by your own unrighteousness and your own dark past, like it is technically feasible. It's not like you can't take that U-turn maybe, but you've been dealt a harsh hand by life by then because it's like going off the path and going super deep in the thick of the woods and it's so dangerous and horrible. You can still technically get back on path, but it's going to be a rough, rough ride. And the deeper you go in, the harder it is to get out. Yeah. Or maybe you just don't have time at that point. You could get out, but there's no amount of time that would let you get back out because you got so far in. So you're going to die before you would ever get out. Yes, exactly. And nobody knows when that time is like, like the end times, even if you and I don't see whatever the apocalypse is, like we will see an end time. And it is true. Like, even if you're just talking about death, like it'll come like a thief in the night, or we'll be able to see so many signs that death is coming. Either way, it's going to come. And yeah, it could be too late. You never know. (laughs) That's so crazy. That's why it felt like reading this felt really intense and like dark kind of. I had 13 highlighters, Mm. but I think I just like the use of the word first fruit. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the spirit and through belief in the truth. I don't know, I did something about God choosing these people, always choosing them from the beginning or as I don't know, felt special. Yeah, that's the only other verse I had for this chapter too. To me, just, I always like to try and think I have some grasp on when these things happened in relation to each other. So I just liked him reinforcing that they were one of the earliest churches. Because when you read about the books now, they say that um, the Thessalonians were like church two or something, like the second church he founded. That's why they're such good Christians. Yeah, maybe because they got such an original authentic exposure to Paul and Paul's way of life and that whole gospel that they were preaching like they got it hot off the presses and they're able to model it better um chapter three last chapter I just liked how in the very beginning he just kind of talks about their intent to evangelize so it's a very uh clear vision of what they're trying to do I just liked how he put it, um, pray for us so that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly, be glorified everywhere, just as it is among you, and that we may be rescued from wicked and evil people, for not all have faith. Uh, Yes, I remember reading this now. Um, But the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. And then he goes on to say, we have confidence in you, like you can do what we're asking you to. May God direct your hearts and yeah, the evangelicalism of it, of like, they want to spread rapidly. They want everyone to worship like they worship. And that's still kind of the spirit of being evangelical. You kind of spread your, not only the gospel, but your way of living it out and demonstrate it. Ideally, you would be demonstrating like the ideal of what that is. But also... Just the thought of like, the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen you and guard you from the evil one. Oh, we may be rescued so that we may be rescued from wicked and evil people for not all have faith. I liked that definition of evil people being defined as not all have faith. Like, because I have a hard time thinking within this spirituality of like separating brother from sister, you know, all of those separation ideas of like 
Christ came to kind of burn bridges kind of thing. I usually have a hard time reading that stuff, but reading this was like, oh, I always have the feeling of wanting to be separate. That part of me doesn't have to be all evil and bad. Like the desire for connection isn't, you don't need to have a desire for connection with all people at all times. Like you can pray, (laughs) guard me from the wicked or, you know what I mean? It just seems like such a sinful thing to pray, but it's so essential to like living. You know? I feel like reading that part too, it's almost kind of like, I feel like he's almost saying too, like they are evil or wicked because they don't have the faith. And like, that's why we're doing, like, that's why we right. so that like everyone can get on our page and we can live more, you know, copacetic with each other. And so it's kind of like, this is like why what we're doing is important because not everyone is in this mind frame. So we need to get them in this mind frame. Or be protected from them if they don't comply. It does threaten. It's like anything wanting to evolve, like natural selection. If something else is threatening to drown it out, like you have to wipe it out. It's just survival of the fittest. They think they're the best way of living out spirituality, period. Like they think this is the the movement. And there's something about that that you're like, you have to feel that the way you're living is kind of like worth making those harsh decisions for. I don't know. It sounds harsh in my mind, but you have to just be like, okay, this isn't gonna, doesn't it sound terrible? Cause that's how people are nowadays in America. Like, oh, you're not on my level or cutting off the haters or there's like all that rhetoric. I don't know. I always think of everything in just different tiers, you know, there's tears to all of that. Like I think at a certain point, you know, we can all agree you shouldn't kill. So, you know, there's just certain things. So like, but then like once you, we're all on this page now, it's like, Okay, now that as a society or as a world in general, I don't know, maybe there's other places in the world that still think killing people's fine. I don't know. I haven't been everywhere in the world. I would say overwhelmingly, we don't kill people. Like we think that's bad. We shouldn't kill. We shouldn't steal and do these things. So like now that people are on that page, it's like we keep getting further, further. Okay, so now people shouldn't do, you know, like now it's like we're arguing, not arguing, but now it comes to this like, well, I think everyone should be, you know, vegan, you know, just like more, just I guess refined vegan details then become like this is you know should be the way of life and people do get evangelical about that thing and spreading that and and maybe who knows maybe in 100 million years everyone will be vegan and you know they won't believe that anyone ever ate you know meat in their life but yeah it does it is natural that it kind of evolves that way and that it'll do that on a macro and micro level (laughs) and like any other type of evolution it's like these big um moral spiritually these things like inherent to us and then these things that we have to debate over for centuries to nail it down but yeah this can be really dangerous ideology when it starts getting down to like a specific cult like a very micro cult like those people would say the same thing Mm -hmm. in way more extreme terms Mm -hmm. on the other hand like on a spiritual level it is good to just feel that way without guilt of like if there are people who have said no to (laughs) righteousness then maybe don't (laughs) you know don't bother and pray for protection right um I have verse seven highlighted under this section my section is called warning against idleness mine too oh i had that too seven through eight same um for you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example we were not idle when we were with you nor did we eat anyone's food without paying for it on the contrary we worked night and day laboring and toiling so that we would not be a burden to any of you i don't know yeah i just like that whole idea of like you know god being like you don't like even though we're all in this together you also don't have to put up with people mooching 
And you should also not mooch, pull your weight, you know, if you're capable of doing something, you know, it's like, um, make yourself useful. I don't know, I kind of like that whole idea of like, you know, pulling your weight and trying not to be just riding on the coattails of being a burden, adding to other people's burden rather than sharing in it. Right, exactly. Yeah, which is, um, I think, a necessary pairing to all the other stuff about like, give your clothes away, like telling people to be charitable, telling people like, if you get abused, turn the other cheek and love people who abuse you. And so if you're going to say all that, you do kind of need to include something like this, right? Of like, but don't take advantage of anyone, pull your own weight and like be responsible and don't make other people around you like pick up the slack like if you don't say that part that other part is like ripe for misinterpretation by people who like don't know that they're doing that you know it's like if you're in this really charitable community and you're used to just receiving that energy all the time you might have to be told this and if everyone lived both then it would be like a true utopia but you can't have the utopia without advising on either Very end of it true. yeah it's like just basically spelling out like it's got to be a two-way street you can't just yeah receive. i also liked 10 for even when we were with you we gave you this rule the one who is unwilling to work shall not eat and so that rule too yeah it's like you got to do you know like you don't just necessarily get stuff just for existing oh this is so tough to talk about because politically I would not like because I don't believe politically that anybody should be left Mm -hmm. behind and this is where we get this like protestant work ethic thing that has been it was such a thing to me growing up that like part of it I've internalized to such an unhealthy degree this protestant work ethic thing and it has made me maybe less tender as a person and less, but also like have less of a backbone. I don't know. I'm afraid to say how much I identify, but I also don't because politically, I think I hate how people say, oh, poor people are entitled and they think they should have food and they think that, you know, it's like, no, everyone should. You know what I mean? I think that's more of a debate on what's essential. (laughs) You know, I don't think anyone's entitled to food. I think it's just a necessity. (laughs) Right. But they, that politically people do turn it into, if you do not earn the food that you eat, you deserve to rot on the street and die. Like, I can't agree with that about people, like what we should do for each other as people on earth, but the philosophy of it. Well, if you're refusing to do something too, it kind of insinuates that you have the option. Oh yeah, for sure. People don't even, they can't pull their weight because they just literally can't. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that, like in that sense, I don't think that's refusing to, you know, but then, you know, you do what you can though. You know, yeah. day, we all just kind of do what we can. We might not all contribute in the same way. Yeah. Contributing something. Yeah. So they're always going to be misfits or people who can't societally fit in. And I think those people should be protected and taken care of by the collective. But also I fully and too heavily identify with this thing of like feeling like dying if I'm not working or like, I feel like I literally don't deserve to live and it's not healthy. That isn't healthy either. You know, <laughs> I think it can all be healthy. <laughs> in in proportion right exactly yeah you know you know I I think some amount of despair or any maybe negative emotion attached to just sitting around is is good with zero of that I guess you would have zero drive to get anything done yeah I think there's just a lot of different ways you know to to contribute and you know I, I, I think it's one of those things too where 
it might be very personal you know mm-hmm. like we know what we're capable of like to the outside world this person is helpless they can't do anything but they're sitting there knowing like in their mind like haha I got all these people doing all this stuff you know yeah you don't even have to lift a finger I don't have to do this I've got these people working yeah. so like in that sense you know they'll get their karma or they'll get you know whatever it is most people I think know when they're you know being a moocher I Oper- guess yeah or just not operating or operating way below your potential like that is a feeling that I feel like people either have or don't maybe but if you have that feeling it is like a dishonorable thing to willingly but it's so common and so easy for especially in like such a if your culture isn't spiritually in tune or if you feel out of sync with what opportunities are in front of you like it's really easy to not I mean it's rare and it's difficult for people to really reach their potential, but it is an issue of righteousness. Like if you're, you're only at peace in your soul, if you know that you've done what you would ideally be able to do or want to do, you know what I mean? Like it is like a disquieting thing if that doesn't happen, but it, it's a privilege to be able to fulfill that. So anyway, it's an interesting debate. See how I feel like there's more here than meets the eye at first. Like I feel like just these chapters in this book said so many <laughs> Um, bold cut and dry things yeah I like chapter three I thought it had yeah stuff in there I also like the next verse actually after what I just read too where he says we hear that some among you are idle and disruptive they are not busy they are busy bodies I just love that distinction and that's something I think about a lot you know it's like you're not busy you're not being productive you're not actually doing anything you're being a busy body you're moving around you're you know touching this and that but like what are you really doing you know so just yours worded that so much better than mine but yeah oh what does yours say I highlighted it too it's um for we hear that some of you are living in idleness mere busy bodies not doing any work so Mm -hmm. I highlighted it too because of that word busybody to me that means someone who's like super involved in the affairs of others and gossipy or probing that's what I read when I read busybodies, but I like your image too of someone like rushing around touching things, like wanting to appear, like have their body actually appear that they're busy. Yeah. Just yeah. Can't sit still or, you know, or sometimes maybe if you sat down and actually did something, <laughs> you'd have, you, have a burden, you know, then. Do you yeah. remember, um, I used to be really into like Farrah Abraham and watching like vi- her videos and stuff. Uh-huh. there's this like frenetic energy that she would always have of like oh my god I have time for nothing I'm making this video because I'm e- like I'm eating a salad while I'm filming because it's 4 a.m and I literally don't have time like any other time in the day and it's like okay yeah. that was always so like funny to me someone having to like over it's uh-huh. like you know she sat down she, yeah she just yeah. sat down to like purposely look it's like if you were really like I'm not having any time like I don't have time like I'm yeah creating this (laughs) but the irony is if you were a good productive person if that were credible at all that time filming your video would be so efficient and intentional and it would really get the job done and (laughs) you wouldn't be eating a salad and rambling for an hour about how busy you You know what I mean it's like when you see people putting in like insisting on how hard they're working. It's like, if you were working smart or effectively, it wouldn't look like you're working that hard because you would make it look good. You know, <laughs> like you, oh, yeah. you wouldn't be frantic. That whole thing works smarter, not harder. Oh well, yeah, yeah, totally. 
And like, even if you are working around the clock, people shouldn't get that impression because they should feel like trusting in you that you're giving them valuable time like that. I don't know how to describe it. There's just something so hilarious about like the disconnect. Because I think it's also just to the idea that like time, I think, and quality are very, you know, I don't know, related, I guess. Yeah. So like you, you're not going to feel someone who comes in and meets with you, like rushing five minutes, like you're not going to feel like they're going to be the person that's, (laughs) you know, for whatever project you have versus someone that comes in and sits down with you and asks questions and, you know, goes over. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, this person is clearly very busy and frazzled. Let me like (laughs) trust my business affairs with them. Right. This person doesn't even have five minutes to sit down. Do I really want them? Yeah. It's going to. uh... Do I even want to hear what they have to say? No, because they clearly can't manage their energy at all. (laughs) But yeah, I like when I just hear busybodies too. The reason I liked that was just we know so many people who are maybe like more idle, maybe. And then everything you do is like a phone call about somebody else's business. So that's like a busybody in my mind is like, like a neighborhood, like an old. 50s neighborhood with like the game of telephone going around they're like looking out the window did you see yeah into that car earlier you know because you're not doing anything on your own so you're just kind of like the world is your uh, life at that point instead of you being in control and getting up and making breakfast and doing this and doing whatever being on your own agenda yeah, yeah. it's like just picturing that church of thessalonians with some people sitting on the wall or standing on the wall watching everyone haul bricks or whatever they were doing (laughs) it's like those people on the side would know what everyone else is doing because that's their job is to be a busybody you know anyway all of that just so much uh imagery and all of this i had 14 highlighted too says take special note of anyone who does not obey our instruction in this letter special note meaning they will die no do not associate (laughs) with them in order that you may feel ashamed Yet do not regard them as an enemy, but warn them as you would a fellow believer. So I don't know, I kind of like that whole dynamic of like keeping your distance, but not in a way that's like you hate them, you know, or, or attaching any kind of like ill will person's bad. But, you know, just, yeah, it's just you don't want that to like necessarily infiltrate your beliefs or your thoughts. So you keep that, you know, you're not really associating with them, but you're also just kind of they're not an enemy. You're not like destroying them or anything and if anything you're trying to warn them or give them a little advice or help them to try to you know see this light that you see and hopefully Mm -hmm. they will take it if they do they do if they don't they don't if they don't then you just don't associate with them kind of yeah yeah I loved that too verse 15 do not regard them as enemies but warn them as believers I really 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 hate the thought of having enemies just because I don't like the thought of being on someone's bad side or having any vindictiveness coming my way or being vindictive or I don't like any of that energy but at the same time there are people who like make themselves your enemy like there's so much warfare in this entire book not only defending yourself but counterattacking when necessary and but I like the idea of like anyone who might have been formerly or potentially walking with you like any normal reasonable people who are not attacking you violently or who don't have it out for you like if you're not defending yourself, basically, like, don't start anything and there won't be anything. <laughs> like, don't. Start no shit, Nancy. No shit. Thessalonians. <laughs> Thessalonians. Chapter three, verse 14. Exactly. Like, there has to be a limit to the amount of abuse you'll take, but, but it is healthier. And you know what they say about, like, 
resentment is like drinking poison and expecting it to kill the other person. That whole idea of like just feeling like you have an enemy, like that's going to harm you, you know. Oh, it all takes energy, you know. Mm-hmm. So why would you waste your energy? We all have, you know, certain amount. A limited amount. Yeah, so you don't want to be not all willy-nilly to someone just not having the same ideas you do, you know. Anything else? I just thought the signature was funny yeah. in verse 17. That was it. Same. That's what I was going to say. That's all that else I had. You want to read it? Verse 17 in chapter three. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. This is the mark in every letter of mine. It is the way that I write. Ah! Not suspicious <laughs> at all. Uh, I'm Paul. This is how I write. It's like this in every letter. The end. Go look okay. at the old ones. See that it's me. <laughs> I write like this. This is how I write. That's just so funny that this is how I write. <laughs> Which it is um, a good point on both sides. Either he really had to insist because of the foragers or he was a forager trying too hard. So <laughs> right. either way. I like both. Either yeah, way. I do too. Because even if he is a forager, this is some good stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a lot here. You already know what you're going to take away from this second Thessalonians. I really like all the stuff about the prayer for protection against the wicked. Maybe after reading so much about taking, like loving everyone and receiving everything in stride and even the abuse and all of that, like it's nice to read this more. Um, This feels more grounded. I like thinking about the Antichrist. Maybe I need to personify some Antichrists in my life. Just like any unhealthy habits to um, wrangle and get rid of. And so maybe I have to go back to the drawing board with that and whatever's holding me up creatively or in any other area of my life, find some antichrist to (laughs) defend against, be on more of the lookout. Looking for the antichrist. What about you? I think I'm going to pull from this last chapter we read and just um, try harder in life in general mm-hmm. I guess I don't know like certain things I feel like even with work I, I guess I could try a little harder I could always try a little harder outside of work I feel like in general I just have been overwhelmingly lazy this year with things and I don't know saying I'm gonna do stuff and not really doing it like personal development type stuff and it's not that I can't do it I'm just you know choosing not to at the time or I just feel like oh, I don't feel like doing this so I'm not going to um, but it's not a matter of like, I can't do it or I am doing my best and it's just not, you know, working out the way I want it. So I think I'm just going to try a little harder um, with goals and, and, and things like that, personal goals, personal development, and stop giving in so much or so mm. easy to uh, being a moocher, I guess. But I'm mooching mm. on myself at the same time. It's just me eating my mm-hmm. and watching my TV, but still if I have a goal where I don't want that to be all I do, like, it's very easy. Like there's some days where I'm like, I really, you know, I'm really going to eat, you know, healthy today or whatever. And then sometimes I just wake up and I'm like, eh, like, I don't try at all. I'm just like, you know what? Never mind. I really want this, this and that. Yeah. It's like, I like that term, um, making a good faith effort. There you go. Yeah. If I feel blah about something or less enthused or have less faith that it'll pay off in any way. I'm just like, oh, it's really easy to get discouraged like before you even start some things. Yeah. So making a good faith effort, it sounds like a faithful thing to do, like a mm-hmm. faith 
thing of like you believe it will reward itself and pay off so you're venturing off on this like unknown path of like I could eat this healthy meal and start a great healthy way of life or it could have been completely pointless and over in two days so what does it matter like it's like but I tried yeah that's the thing it's like I just want to try because sometimes I really just don't try it's like I'm not and I'm because to take that first step is such a leap of faith it just goes hand in hand with gotta have faith and don't be so hard on yourself too because again we are recovering from the trauma of a pandemic so everyone who wanted to learn how to garden or do whatever for the first time it was always going to be an uphill battle and even the everything everyday things we're trying to do can be hard but yeah I think it's just yeah sometimes it's just that first step and it just go ahead and at least try to take the first step awesome yeah. Yay, that's such a good one. And we're, this was such a good book. I loved it. We will be back with, yeah, exactly. First Timothy, book 54. I know our cliffhanger, your favorite verse is going to be in Second Timothy, right? Second Timothy, we're almost there. So we're almost there. there, And uh, everyone keep the faith as we continue to barrel through these uncertain times, Um, everything in upheaval. And all we can do is keep the faith, keep moving forward. BCBS podcast. Um, every two Sundays, we'll be back in two Sabbaths with more Black, Black Chicks Bible, Bible study. study.